Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week we're dialing M for murder. murder. Talking about 1954, uh, 54's Alfred Hitchcock classic. 3D classic. 3D classic. Mm. So weird. Dial we M for murder. We only saw it in 2Ds. No, most people only saw it in 2Ds. Uh, and we're going to talk about that momentarily. But before we get started... How was your day and a half? My day and a half was actually <laughs> lovely. We are recording a bunch of things back to back. For no reason, I think, then, because you have something in your head that's like, set a buffer just in case. Uh, so we are doing that. So Actually, I think it's I like the uh, energy that we're putting out. There is that, it. yes. and, and But momentum. we are going to be done with halfway through March before February even. Mm. Even whispers. And what to this us. means for the audience is that they will get something on a regular basis. Yes, regular basis. No matter what happens. No matter what happens. Even if, well, unless I fall off of a cliff. Well, don't. Hey, fall everyone! Off a cliff. I do all the post production, <laughs> so as long as it's just raw footage, there's still a danger. I will get working on that tomorrow. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this movie. This movie. It's all our right. first Hitchcock well, on your the week? list. Oh. It, I, I, it's fine. We okay. It wasn't a week. <laughs> but I'm gonna just cut that out. I I answered. I responded right. to to what you said. So it, okay. I don't feel like it. We have to go back and around. Um, this movie, Dial in for Murder. It's is this our first Hitchcock in the list? Now I'm having trouble remembering. Bel- no, no, it's not. Rebecca was our first Hitchcock. Rebecca was a but Hitchcock, Rebecca but it doesn't so, feel like a Hitchcock. It was the based first on source material. It's Hitchcock's, although this is as well. <laughs> it's his first American film with American money behind it. What is uh, Rebecca? Okay, and so, and it was eight years prior to this. Uh, well, not not well. The idea is that it was um, it was very much David Selznick's kind of film, and it's tempered between. I think I'm looking up dates and times. It was 1940, so it was 14 years prior to this. Right. Um, this I, I I realized though when I said, "Oh, it's based on somebody else's work." This is also based on somebody right. else's work. That's not a that's not a particularly no, no. non Hitchcock thing to do. That I don't know he why he adapts things yeah. all the time, particularly if you're looking at someone like uh, a Daphne du Maurier. You know what it was? I think I was sort of comparing him in my brain to Rod Serling, mm-hmm. a person who had their own show and, and things right. like that. Um, and oh, Rod Serling obviously had a bunch of writers, but I feel like the stuff that you think of as Rod Serling was Rod Serling. Right. There's a, he has a very distinctive <laughs> style yeah. to his and writing. So I was putting that mm-hmm. on Hitchcock, which is not necessarily a an accurate thing. And my Hitchcock experience is minimal mm-hmm. it's getting more i've seen now two additional uh, hitchcock films um and we'll be watching even more um that i had not seen previously um is notorious his 
Notorious is his. So uh, that's I one. think Vertigo is another. Vertigo the, is one. Rear Window will be another one. I've seen Rear Window, so okay. that's going to be a duplicate. Psycho I've seen, so that's going to be a duplicate. Is the Birds in here? Is the Birds is in yes. here as well. He's in the top ten twice. Right. So, uh, nope, I'm sorry, three times North by Northwest is in there as well. So this, I mean, really what, what the AFI did was Top five Alfred Hitchcock films, okay, come up with some other ones, too. <laughs> well, Alfred Hitchcock, he very much... John Ford once was asked about his opuscula, and he said, I make westerns. And Alfred Hitchcock could very well have said, I make thrillers. This is what he does. That's true. Oh, actually, there's even more than that. So I'm scrolling through, and this is also... You guys, this is going to be... A test of my Hitchcock knowledge, okay. right? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the ones I think are Hitchcock, and All you're right. gonna tell me if they're right yes. or not. So, um, Notorious is number thirty-eight, um, which you just confirmed for me is right. Hitchcock. Strangers on a Train. Oh God, yeah, that's a great one. Okay. Double Indemnity. No, is not him, but it could be. I'm not like. Crazy for thinking that that's one of his movies. Um, Vertigo, which mm-hmm. we talked about. Rear Window. And then The Birds, North by Northwest, and Psycho. I yeah. think that's all. So what did, what did we just list? Like eight, including Rebecca and this one. So yeah, there's a lot of it. <laughs> he he just devoted himself to doing this as a genre. And so you'll see He him. was good at it. Yes. It takes a skill. Not everybody can make a right. horror movie. Not everybody can make a comedy. Not everybody can make a thriller. See, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> well, okay, Martin Scorsese is a good example. He, or Oliver Stone said he couldn't make a horror film. And it's I like, saw he, the he hand. I have seen that. I have seen uh, his horror movie. I did not. I saw it when I was a kid. Right. I did not know anything about anything. I didn't know who Oliver Stone was. It was just a scary movie that was on a Saturday afternoon, and it did scare me. So I would argue he can make a scary movie, but also I was eight. Yeah. His <laughs> so. whole thing was it, it takes a, a particular kind of personality to do that well. Right. And... um and so there are directors who are good at lots of genres. Robert Wise is the one that we always think about who does, he does a horror movie in The Haunting. He does a musical in West Side Story in The Sound of Music. And then he does hard-hitting drama like I yeah. Want to Live or something. Yeah. He's very good at that. Um, another person who spans genres like that is Boyle, Danny yeah. Boyle. Um, the Blank Check Boys are doing Danny Boyle right now. I believe the title of the miniseries is Train spot casting. It's it's sweaty, Um, (laughs) but he's one who's like, um, I don't know. Let's try it. (laughs) He's not stuck to a genre, and the stuff that you think you shouldn't probably shouldn't make that. He's like, I don't know. Let's try it, and then he wins an Academy Award. So he's not not really there, (laughs) particularly. But his horror stuff too is very. Yes, it is. It is. Very scary. But yeah, so um, so we've talked a little bit about Hitchcock. and talk a little bit more about Hitchcock. Do you think that Grace Kelly is uh, uh, Hitchcock's perfect? Yes. I believe like, that, that is, this is the embodiment if, of if the If he could put a woman in every movie, yeah. it would be Grace Kelly. She is unbelievably stunning. <laughs> I mean, like, right. and so 
effervescent. Like, I don't know that I've seen a lot of Grace Kelly performances, but there in aren't this, many, there are, no, it, she is so fresh and believable as a real person, even when looking like that. Right. In this character, um, she is, she's like lovely. You would love to Perfect. have lunch with her. And she is a rich woman. So she could be. Oh, yes. Terrible. The fact that she has It to... makes me a hope that, like, as princess, uh-huh. she was like a princess of the people. <laughs> well, she was. <laughs> okay, good. But what she has to carry off in here is a very difficult part, which is mm-hmm. she is playing an adulteress, wealthy, married the woman. Way, so there's so many things not to mo- like her. For me, and uh-huh. I'm going to use thrill in a different term. Right. My biggest thrill for this movie was how. They did not stigmatize adultery in this movie. It was, which sounds crazy because you're talking about a man who is trying to bump off his wife after he finds out that she's having an affair. But he's not trying to bump her off because she's having an affair. affair. He just wants to live high on the hog and do nothing. And she doesn't, and he knows his wife doesn't really love him anymore. There just isn't that spark or whatever. So she's like, he's like, I have nothing to contribute here. She's going to kick me to the curb. I better kill her. It's not, how dare you? There's not, there's not really jealousy. The husband and the boyfriend are like friends. Everyone in this film is, I remember we have a friend. I'm like, y'all could just uh, be a try, a, a, Liza, a throuple and right. be fine. <laughs> I had a friend, Liza, who had, uh, she came up to me at work one day after she had seen Casablanca for the first time. Uh-huh. And she was amazed by how mature everyone was in the film. Mm-hmm. Right? It's almost like people understand that other people I are was away human beings. And you were alone, and it was a terribly lonely time, and you met Rick, but... Now that we're going out, you have to make a decision. You have to decide, and you have to decide. I can't blame you for being lonely. I can't blame him for falling in love with you because I did. I did, yeah. And so she was like, "This is amazing. I hadn't seen a film, yeah, a recent film in particular, where people just acted like adults. Yeah, that you act like adults, and you and you understand that. Let's get preachy about monogamy. Mm. (laughs) That. You cannot and will not ever be all things to any person. Like, you just, you can't. That's not how, we are not missing half of ourselves and we're mm-hmm. going to find the perfect half and then we'll both be whole. That's not how human well, beings work. What I liked about this film and the way it presented that, uh, there's no, aside from the the actual violence where it occurs, he's, Raymond's character Tony. Tony, who is the one who sets this whole plan in motion. Tony Wendice, who I want to call Tony Wendice. <laughs> he, um, he's a very interesting character in that he is very, very clever and very sharp, and he has covered all of his bases in terms of committing a murder and getting his hands clean from it. You know who, who he reminds me of a little bit? Mm. And now I'm gonna have trouble. It might. It wasn't in Rebecca. Was it in Laura? Vincent Price's character. Oh yes. Although he was not very bright. Right. But he has this air of I am handsome and athletic 
And right. I am going to be on the arm of a rich woman. That's how I'm going to yes, live my life. Very much like that character, Shelby. He sees him. How could you forget Shelby? Uh, he sees himself as he was a tennis pro when she yeah. met him. Yeah. She. He sees himself as kind of a reward. Here's this rich, I beautiful woman. A trophy husband. Right. Like the literal version. Look at this handsome, strapping, athletic, mm. gregarious. Right. You know, friendly. And he is smart, right. witty companion that you get to have. And I will not be working. <laughs> what I am is uh, I am maintaining this, mm-hmm. and you are paying And his whole motivation in this story is that he's is, again, not anger. It's, there's my meal ticket. Yeah. And how do I do I this? I love my life so much. Right. <laughs> And I would like to continue living it. I have gotten used to a certain level of life that I am not going to give up. Plotting sociopath. He is. Who is? Who is? A sociopath is real because uh, his lack of concern as his plans sort of disintegrate beneath him. He's like a cartoon cat that just jumps to the next. Available post, even as things are literally falling also, beneath them, and he's like, "It'll be fine. I'll just keep spinning and keep dancing." I'll say this uh, in terms of why this film is thrilling, or the kind of thrilling it is, because we talked about action thrilling, we've talked about dramatic thrilling. Like Twelve Angry Men was just like a, a lot of dramatic actors just laying into yeah. each other. It's like a kung fu fight for acting, or something, right. or kung fu film for acting. This film is watching Ray Milan's character, who's an Academy Award-winning actor. He won for um, Lost Weekend, where he played an alcoholic. Mm. And it's a great performance. Um, and uh, he did that with Billy Wilder. But he, um, in this film, he plays a guy who is very sharp and very clever and has figured everything out, out in terms uh-huh. of how to get rid of his wife, preserve his lifestyle. And in the beginning, you almost want to feel, before he reveals the fact that he's going to have his wife murdered horribly, um, you want to feel some sort of sympathy for him. Yeah. And then it becomes this really crazy tightrope where, is he going to be able to get away with yeah. this? And then you don't want him to get away it with is, it because yeah. the lengths he yeah. goes through. And, and you know, I mean, that's the, the tricky thing about the way, and this is based on a play, right. which... It it feels like it's based on a play because it takes uh-huh. place in very few locations and there are very few speaking parts. Right. But it doesn't have that thing where you get into a thing and you start watching it and you're like, this is based on a play, isn't it? Like, no. everybody's inside. <laughs> I haven't seen the sun. <laughs> this is definitely based on a play. Um, because Hitchcock is making a movie. Right. First, f- first and foremost, I think... I think film directors with vision and knowledge of film can make a play into a very watchable cinematic experience. I think that Steven Spielberg did it with West Side Story. I think another one, although, you know, (laughs) for for the the kind of figure that he is, Roman Polanski, uh, he made a film out of Death and the Maiden uh, with Sigourney Weaver and Ben Kingsley. And that's based on a play where um, a Sigourney Weaver's an agoraphobic woman again who lives huh. <laughs> in a seaside town in a South American kind of uh, setting, and her husband brings home a man who was having car trouble. 
It's but it all takes Kingsley. place inside this right. house where she and is. And this and man, it turns out, might have been the man who repeatedly raped and tortured her when she was a political prisoner in this... G- giving her the agoraphobia, right. no, re- no, no, right. no doubt. Right. So the thing is, and it now becomes she's trapped three people in this house where she's trying to convince her husband, let's yeah. kill him. And the man's going, I, that isn't me. I would never treat a woman that way. And she's really convinced. But she's But she's also kind of unhinged in a way. Right. So, well, I mean, yeah. That was, when you're at the end of that, you're going, okay, that was three people in two rooms or three rooms. Right, right, right. And so you, when it is done really well, you're just, yeah. you're taken aback by, oh, okay, that was the experience you took me on. Yeah. And in Hitchcock's case, that's very much this. Yeah. Yeah. No, this very much feels like a movie, but then you're right. like, oh, right, it is based on a play. So... And and the sort of the the as you you get you start watching it and immediately it's set into motion what's happening and we are you're right it's not a whodunit we right. watch him plan the murder we watch him proposition the murder mm-hmm. we watch we watch and then we watch him as his his plan disintegrates right to spin a new and plan like out of nothing and you're sitting going God they got him no they don't got him. Well, I figured, I was like, okay, well, we're 20 minutes in and there's a dead body on the floor. Right. Right. I I believe in my heart Mm -hmm. that this movie isn't going to fuck me and I will see him get his just desserts, but there's going to (laughs) be, there's going to be a journey to get there because, as I said, we're 20 minutes in and this movie is like an hour and 40 minutes or whatever it is. Um. So that's an interesting sort of narrative device uh-huh. where you're with this person that you definitely don't want to be with mm-hmm. the whole time. Um, and and you're left at kind of at the end like, why didn't you just all go to dinner and then work out a way where you could have just well, the excuse- continued your like she probably would have gotten over it eventually but i feel like she would have been like you can have an allowance like we, we, it doesn't have to be you know what i mean like mm-hmm. now spousal support's definitely a thing and he would have gotten a handsome amount of money for divorcing her and like on the right right i don't know that that was a thing where they are and uh, in the time but um you know, I feel like they, they were reasonable. I feel like if you hadn't tried to kill her, you probably could have gotten some of that money. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay, so let's, let's yeah, let's this get into the This is difficult because so much of it is just... There's a lot of... It, it almost feels like a farce, uh-huh. but a thriller version of it, yeah. where the, there's like a shell game happening and you're like following it and then, oh, if he comes in through that door and he goes out through right, that exactly. door, there's like a lot of this stuff that isn't done for comedic effect. Although nobody's not funny in this movie. like Oh, yeah, they're all very funny. <laughs> I think that um, I can't remember the reviewer who was talking about M.R. James, the, the, the ghost story writer, and said that it's very much like all of his short stories are very much like a good joke. There's all this build up and build up and build up, and then there's a punchline. Yeah, yep. And I think that thrillers are like that mm-hmm. too. In the well, because a laugh is 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 an expression of shock. Right. It's is an expression it is. of shock. It's some sort of like cathartic moment that you have, and whether that cathartic moment is covering your mouth because yeah. from the unexpected, right. whether the unexpected tickles you or, or horrifies, horrifies you. you. Yeah. 
Um, so it is. It's the same. Yeah, and I think the shape is just what you put in yeah. there. Um, so Tony Wendis, he's a retired English tennis player who still plays tennis, but mm-hmm. you know. And his wife is Marco Jean Ke- or Grace Kelly, not Jean Kelly. Jean Kelly could never fill a dress out the way that she fills out a dress. And she is having an affair with an American. His name is Mark. And he is a crime writer, like a crime fiction writer, Mm -hmm. which is so funny. And he knows of the affair uh, because he founds a letter in her purse. Um, He, they had separated. He had gone back to America. I believe they're living in London. He was visiting London at the time. Yeah, but they were in London. Yeah, they're living in London. London. Yeah. Um, And then he had to go back. And they so they separated. They ended mm-hmm. the relationship. But he was sending her letters, all of which she burned, except one, which had something special in it. It doesn't say they don't say right. what it is, which is an interesting thing. I'm like, oh, they're gonna let the couple keep that secret to themselves. It's not real, but okay. <laughs> um, and so Tony is like. My wife does not love me anymore. It's not like as we said. It's mm-hmm. not. How dare she touch another man? How dare she look at... It's not any of that. It's literally like when she kisses me, there's nothing... Like, there's, right. it's not... We're, we don't... We're not in love with each other anymore. I'm not in love with her. She's not in love with me. Eventually, she's going to kick me to the curb. And maybe that letter is something along the lines of a marriage proposal. Like... And that could be... If, if you... We're never if told. If you want right. to make that split, yeah. I... I'm here to catch you, right? Um, and whatever it is, we're never, like, as you say, we're never mm. told. Um, so he's like, I, uh, I really, really, really like my life. It's so comfortable. I get to play tennis and do nothing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I would like to continue that forever. And the only way that that's going to happen definitely is if I inherit my wife's money. And the only way that's going to happen is if she dies so i better find a way to get her to die and he we see him call a man about a car invite him over for a drink without the car it's very weird i'm like is this how people used to buy vehicles from one another it's very strange the person however that he's invited over is an old school acquaintance of his whom he happens to know has now fallen on a little bit of a rough time, a little bit of a he's a con man and a, right. and a grifter. Because it turns out the, the car he's selling belongs to an older woman that he's made the acquaintance of. Or a married woman, I think. That married, be. I believe. But older and married, right. I think both both of those things. He also says, <laughs> there's this weird thing where six months prior to the events that we see, she was blackmailed, basically, mm-hmm. over the contents of that letter. For like, I think, what did they ask for? Like 50 pounds. 50 pounds. Yeah, it was some, even in 1954. Right. That wasn't enough money to blackmail somebody for. Like, it it was. Especially somebody with her resources. Right. She has a great deal of money. Um, And she did pay the money, but they, then, um, I guess she went to the post kind of like a postal mm-hmm. like a postal plus like a post office area place um 
to find out who owned the box or whatever, and they were like, oh, that person's never even come back. And so she got her, she actually gets her money back, which I'm like, oh, that's British laws, because they don't, they won't give you, <laughs> even if you're the person who mailed it, once you, like, mail it, it's not your property anymore. They won't give it to you. Um, and if there's a stamp on it, I should say. If you just accidentally drop something in the mailbox, you can't get your stuff back. <laughs> And so she gets her money back and then doesn't hear back. But it was two blackmail letters for just such a small piddly amount six months ago. And we find out, as Tony is telling Swan, who mm-hmm. is the name of this um, school chum. One of the several names he uses. Yes, he's got, he's got a bunch of different names, yeah. He, has ha- he hands the letter to Swan to get his fingerprints on him. He's got... Um, his fingerprints on like glassware. And right. then you see him wiping everything down and being like, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to turn you in as the blackmailer unless you kill her, <laughs> which is like a wild jump. I just be like, okay. <laughs> like, even if I go to jail for trying to blackmail somebody and not actually taking their money for 50 pounds, what is that, like a week and a half in jail versus whatever I get for murdering someone? He also like, induces him with... He also, yes, yeah, says, I'll give you a thousand dollars. Right. A thousand pounds. <laughs> a thousand pounds, yeah. In cash. And so at that point, he's like, yep, 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 I will do it. And the plan is going to be... Tony and Mark are going to the theater together. Which is... So weird. Well, because he doesn't know. <laughs> Mark doesn't. Mark is coming back into town this right. weekend. We should say, um, which I don't know why he picked that weekend. Maybe he thought this is my last chance if she, she's going to leave me right. for him, like right now. So this is I have to do it now. So Mark's come into town, but it also gives him a really good alibi. It does, and he and Mark are going to go to the theater, and mm-hmm. she is going to. Stay home. And he convinces her to stay home in a very kind of crafty sort of... In the plan, she's just going to stay home. And at 11 Uh o'clock, Tony is going to call... I said a theater. No, they're going to like a bachelor. They're going to a stag do or something like that. At 11 o'clock, Tony is going to call the house. And Margot will already be in bed. But she will get up and come to answer the phone. And when she does, you have already broken in and are hiding behind the curtains. No, you haven't broken in. There's the, there's the, you, the there's all the, important thing. I'm going to leave a key underneath uh-huh. the mat in the stairway. Exactly. And you're going to, you're going to, you, you're breaking in. You well, still are breaking in, yes. but he's breaking in. And uh, then you're going to hide behind the curtains and you're going to come out and you're going to strangle her mm-hmm. when she answers the phone, when she comes out to answer the phone. And then uh, I will come back, discover her dead, and then I will inherit all the money. Yay! That's the plan. Now, he's been putting this into action for a very long time now. Well, he started that blackmail scheme six months prior, so that's at least as far as he's gone. And so everything starts to go, like... Mark comes, and then she's getting ready to go, too. And Tony is like, um, what are you doing? And she's like, I don't want to stay home alone. That's boring. I'm going to go to the movies. 
And he's like, oh, but I thought you were going to stay home. And uh, aren't you going to, oh, that's right. Ugh. What he has her do. I thought you were going to work on those clippings. And he pulls out some scissors, or he has her pull out some scissors, and she is going to cut out clippings of him from newspapers through his career to make a scrapbook or whatever. And I'm just like, ew, some Holly Hobby bullshit. She should go to the movies. Of course, she can't go to the movies, because then she will not be home to be murdered. Very inconvenient. And so she does. She does end up, she's like, okay, fine, I'll stay. It's a very weird. Mark is watching the whole thing like, what the fuck? <laughs> but then they go and they go to the party. And then Swan does break into the apartment. He opens the key and he puts the key back where he found it. That's very important. Um, also is important to know that people in England in the mid-1950s just carried their key, their house key, which they call the latch key, Around with them, sans anything. Without a Just key ring. No rings, without... no baubles, right. no handles, no lanyard. Just a key, just a nude <laughs> key in a pocket. How anybody ever got into their home at the end of the day, I do not understand. Um, but that is a plot point. You just mm. have to know... That every person in London, somewhere on their body, has one key, unattached and unencumbered, just free-floating in a pocket. Wild. Um, Oh, it wasn't that he didn't want her to go. That's what it was. That was the weird thing. So it wasn't don't go out. I mean, it was don't go out. But it wasn't don't go out because then you won't be here by 11. Because she would have been back by 11 in bed. She would have had to use her key. And the plan was, because this motherfucker, for all the planning that he did, couldn't have a key made at some well, point in that six months. That would have given him away, though, I think, is that the idea that he's reusing her key, and he goes through all these machinations to make sure that her key... Her, her, yeah, he has to take her key right. out, of her, out of her purse, but she would need it if she was yes. going out. Because he is leaving his key... In the stairwell under the um, carpet. Under the carpet. Now, but 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 if at any time in the previous six months he could have said, "I lost my key. I'll have to go get one made." You've been planning this blackmail, or like you did this blackmail six months ago, or because he. The other thing is he has this $1,000 to give to Swan because he's been taking out a little bit of money mm-hmm. every week for a year between like 35 and $50. And so he's got $1,000 in cash in like small bills <laughs> um, because he then would like launder them at the racetrack, which is dangerous because you could just lose all of your money. <laughs> so be careful with that gambit. Um, and he... Uh, and he blames income and stuff on dog racing, right? right. Like, that's... So he has this $1,000 that he's going to give to Swan after the they, they finish their plan. From the, So he's been planning that for... So once again, you couldn't take one of those cash notes and go to a fucking town five... You know, a city five towns over and make a copy of a key... That was untraceable? I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, 
Maybe they do not duplicate keys. I don't know. It, but it, when I was just like, one key in, you probably wouldn't have unraveled because that was the one piece. That's the that's the the, the kicker here. So he needs her to stay home so he can take her key so that he can leave his key. Then. Um, Swan is broken in. Swan's in. And he's waiting. And the t- a lot of time come and comes and goes. Because uh, Tony's watch has died. <laughs> he overwound it, which I didn't even know was a thing. So he looks down and it's 20 till 11. And then he looks down again later and it's 20 till 11. And he's like, hey, what time is it? Somebody says 11.07. And then Mark's like, no, nah, I don't have that. I have 11.03. And I'm like, that's weird. Okay. But it's, af- it's after the time. And we have seen Swan like come out, look around, just like look at the right. door, decide if he should just fucking bolt. Because... Yes, you should have. And, but then the phone, and then, oh, he goes to the, the phones. And of course, because it's nobody, ha- everybody doesn't have their own. He has to wait for somebody to finish their conversation. And then he calls home. And um, I think he, does he dial twice? I think he does. So it rings. And then, it, and then he calls again and it rings and more. And then that does wake her up. Um, and and then she comes out mm. beautiful white nightgown and she comes out and she comes around the desk which the police officer asks her about and she answers the phone and she says hello so she has her back back to the curtains and that's when he comes out and he uh, this is Swan Swan Wraps a scarf around her neck. And she is pulled acro- back across the desk and it reaches, reaches, reaches and finds the scissors that she was using for those dumb clippings of her husband's and uh, stabs him in the back, which causes him to fall onto his back, stabbing him more into the back. <laughs> then he is dead on the floor. Um, I guess... The, the one question for me is I understand that the the movie is called Dial In For Murder because mm-hmm. it revolves around a phone call but if that's the only reason to call it Dial In For Murder then I don't understand the this movie well um, <laughs> the number of their flat started with M yeah, so right. he literally has to dial him. He literally dialed, yes. And then he he had the wrong, the wrong thing murdered. Well, somebody got murdered somebody did get murdered killed Killed again. I would argue it was a murder. So, then, um, she, what happened? Well, she is. Oh, and then, so, and then he, like, he's, he listening. That's right. He's listening over mm-hmm. the phone. And she, like, does she pick up the phone to dial the police? And then he's just there. And he's well, like, she picks up the phone because she's, he's on the phone with her while she's being attacked. Right. And but so, she's not. He's not answering. She's just saying right. hello. She says hello like way more times than you would. Just hang up the phone. Nobody's there. Go to bed. She said hello like eleven times. <laughs> and again, you're, we're thinking like modern people would. It's eleven a.m. It's eleven p.m. at night, and mm-hmm. you woke but me up. But he told her that he would be calling. Did he? Yes, he told her that he would be calling about eleven. Um. So the thing is that. Oh, I didn't ever hear that. So I did not so know. So she's expecting a phone call from from him. Why would he call at about 11, though? 
He was oh. calling to check in on her about something. I can't quite remember what the part of that Say, was. Say, hon, you know I'm going to be in bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, please don't call me at 11 p.m. Uh, so, yeah, she yells hello a bunch of times, and then he does listen to her die. And then I think she does reach for the phone because mm-hmm. she's going to call the police because there's a dead man in her living room now, and she was almost killed. And that's when he is like, oh, she can't do that. Mm-hmm. So um, rather than disconnecting the line, he's like, hello? And she's like, oh. and Because she says, what are you doing there or something? And he's like, I... Or I the, that little conversation is weird. Like it's, but basically, what he says is, "Don't touch anything." Right. Don't talk to anyone. I'll be home in a second. Um, and so she doesn't doesn't call the police, which is dumb. She would, I believe, know better. Maybe she was in shock. That's the idea that she is in shock, and she's. She's leaving everything to him, and he seems to be very sharp and confident, but he's confident yeah. because he planned the entire thing. I don't trust the police. Like, No, I don't like, either. Fundamentally, I don't trust the police. But if if I had just been almost murdered, and somebody told me explicitly, don't talk to the police, I might be like, Is, are you at the bottom of this? <laughs> I think I need to talk to the police. Um, but generally, I would advise everyone to not, not do that. Um, so he gets home, and he starts almost... He, I want to say Kaiser so saying his fucking uh, house and speech. He's just, like, weaving things into existence almost he takes some stocking or some yeah some of her stockings he tells her first to go to bed yeah he says go to bed you need to lie down he's figured out the amount of time it'll take the police to arrive what when she goes to bed he takes the key off of swan yes he assumes it's her key yes and returns it to her purse and puts it in her bag that's Right. right yeah and then he goes on to uh take the Scarf that she was going to be murdered with burns it. Yes, he throws that in the fire and he pulls out a pair of stockings. Right. From her, like, the same place the scissors came from. Right, her knitting or sewing kit. And hides one of them under... Right, underneath the... The the blotter. The the blotter on his desk, so it makes it look like she had planned or premeditated killing him, which is a strange one. That, like, I don't know, that's a weird leap. Like, how do you... uh, Or she was creating the circumstances of the crime. Uh, where she was going to stab him and pretend he was strangling her or something. He also puts uh, her letter, which he was carrying around in like this and, right. weird envelope holder. Which now has both her, fo- uh, well, her fingerprints, yes, but also has uh, Swan's, Swan's fingerprints. And puts it in Swan's pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the police come. That, yeah, the police come. That's right. Yeah, because he, he pulls the 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 key out of Swan's pocket, as right. we say, believing that it is the one that was that he had put under the mat. Uh, it's it's wild to me that you could just pat 
anybody down in London in 1954, and they would have a single key on them, and you could just... That's just what it was. Um, Then there's... Uh, he he manages to keep the police off of her for one night, mm-hmm. but the next day, as he, she's going to go talk to the police or they're going to come talk to her, he's like, mm. he uses a little bit of gaslighting techniques, a little bit of that. Well, I'm only looking out for you. Right, like th- that could only. Yeah, make we should you also mention we're introduced to John Williams' character. Uh, Inspector Hubbard at this point. In- Chief Inspector Hubbard, a man with a beautiful mustache right. who believes no one. <laughs> um, and the biggest thing that he does explicitly is say, don't tell them that I told you not to call the police. Right. Which, once again, if that's if that sentence in your life ever comes out of somebody's mouth, don't trust that person. Mm. <laughs> that person is trying to fuck you. <laughs> um, and so that means that Margot can't make a coherent story. It destroys her credibility. Right. Like, she can't tell a coherent narrative. Mm-hmm. Because he's explicitly told her, leave X, Y, and Z out, which make the rest of her behaviors look erratic and strange. Uh, Which is, of course, now, this is now his goal. Because now he's like, well, if she ends up in prison, I'll get her money. Right, exactly. (laughs) I mean, and if she ends up executed by the state, well, she's dead. That was what I wanted in the first place. Now, provided that she doesn't take him out of the will, but, you know, he's still playing good husband. He well, he's not playing good husband, and that becomes a point later on. Yeah. Which is, he's doing this just long enough to where he doesn't actually openly betray her until a, a day before the execution. Yeah. Taking the chance that she will not find out that he's just openly accused her of the murder. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the the story that is woven by Tony and the what ifs and the inspector mm-hmm. is he came he the blackmailer Swan came to blackmail some more or do more damage. Right. And she, in a fit, killed him. Is that right? Fundamentally, what it is is it's sort of we don't see any of like. What this movie is not, in any way, is a courtroom drama. <laughs> mm-hmm. We see her conviction, her her arrest, conviction, sentence, and all the way up to the day before she's supposed to be executed, which is a, a series of months, but not like years like it is now yes. for an execution sentence, in a 20-second sort it's, of... It's done in a very sort of surreal way, too. 3D. This yeah. is the only part that would make sense to make this movie in 3D, is yeah. that piece right there. But yeah, you're, you, <laughs> there's not even a, a proper background or a setting for it. You're no, just watching she's like, this. it's like her face on a gray background, and it's almost like looking down at her, mm-hmm. right? And there's nothing around her, and, and there's just a spotlight on her, it's dark around her, 
And then there's like the flashing lights, like she was getting her picture taken. You hear a gavel banging and you, it, it's almost like, you almost expect to see like covers of newspapers come yeah. across, but they don't even do that. Uh, but she is tried and convicted and sentenced to death for the murder of this man. And it's all done as a reaction from Grace Kelly. Yeah. It's all her On her face. Shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, which once again, if she did kill him because she was being blackmailed, although over such a small amount of money, that's where I like it, it stops hanging together. Well, like, the idea is that... He'd come back and ask for way right. more. Or, and he's, uh, there's a line where he's... He says um, she was looking for the letter and couldn't find it, and I'm like, "Well, we saw him place it in the in the po- like inside jacket pocket of mm-hmm. this that this like she would have found the letter. Yeah, exactly. What are you talking about? Like none of it. Like all the things that you're like, well, she must have done X, Y, and Z. You're like, seems like she'd be too smart to do those things. Right. What? At the time, she <laughs> she just. I mean, it seems like... And she doesn't have a rebuttal because she's right. like, well, I didn't do that. Right, because she just thought that and she was, prove was trying to murder her. Yeah. He, she had no idea why this was going on. Right. right. And she's disoriented. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, well, why did you pat him down? Well, I didn't. That's all I can say because yeah. that's all I have. I don't. I can't prove that I didn't do it. Right, exactly. And it's, this is all, you know, as we say, circumstantial evidence. Um... But then, yeah, the day before her execution, Mark shows up. He's flown back because he still loves her, and he can't believe that she's going to die. And he goes to Tony, and he's like, you need to go to the cops, and you need to tell them that it was your plan all along, da 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 And he, like, basically tells us the beginning of the movie with one exception. He doesn't know about the key. Right. The key is the sticking point, because really the problem with a lot of the break-in, he broke it. She had to let him in because there was no key found. Exactly. He didn't have a key on him. Mm-hmm. And all the keys that for the household were accounted for. So she would have had to have let him in. And if she was scared of him, would she have let him in? No. Mm-hmm. So the key is the sticking point, right? And so, yeah, Mark really just comes back and is like, you found him because there's a picture of the murdered man hanging on the wall of this apartment, which right. is like so brave. And that's why it reminds me of Kaiser Sose. Like, right. like he just saw him one day and was like, that's my murder weapon. <laughs> like, um, and he sort of regurgitates back almost verbatim exactly what Tony has done. And then he's like, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> Like, I'm not going to, like, no, it sucks that she's going to die or whatever, but also, I'm, no. (laughs) Like, I'm going to live super comfortably. Like, it's going to be awesome. (laughs) Well, what you find out, too, is that the the affair has now come out. Yes. And that helped slant the jury against her. That was the other thing. As much as this this movie absolutely uh, doesn't take a, a negative viewpoint of the adultery and make her the victim because this is what she deserves, yeah. because she was a whore or whatever, um, the jury absolutely did think that and threw, a book, uh, threw their book at her. The inspector shows up right. after Mark. 
And Mark gets shuttled off. And Mark gets shoved into the bedroom, right? Mm -hmm. Where he finds, curiouser and curiouser, a briefcase full of cash, small bills. And I was like, oh shit, that's interesting. I thought that was a super interesting twist, right? Oh, I guess that is not revealed right then. I thought he fa- he opened it, but he doesn't. Hubbard is like, hey, why are you spending so much cash? Which... I don't know if the story the that Hubbard tells him is there was a break-in, a bunch of small bills, this huge amount of money in small bills, and we noticed small bills being spent around, but you're spending them. So and did you're, you, yeah, you're spending did them. Did you wind up somehow getting Yeah, where, where's his money bills? coming from? Right. Like he works for the IRS or whatever the, the British version of the IRS is. And I'm like, they really do track your spending habits in a way yeah. that is disconcerting. Now, granted, there was a murder in the house. Yes. So, but you have a conviction. So did you did you did you not close yeah. your case? Seems like you didn't close. But the case. I don't know if that was a story that he made up entirely because he was still suspicious. That's true. And so he, um, and then he asks him, "Oh, was anything stolen from you?" In order to get him to show him where he keeps his key, which is inside the coat pocket right. of his raincoat, the raincoat that looks like a folded paper bag that every man in this movie has. Because they keep tra- that's like that's another yes. sort of farcical element where they keep trading raincoats. Sometimes they they notice it. Sometimes they do it on purpose. And in this case, they're going to do it on purpose because um, he he asks about an attaché case that he had been seeing as seen with, and uh, Tony refuses to answer. We'll talk to the cops about an attaché case. No, that's never a terrible do it. idea. Uh, and. Um, oh, and at that point, that's when, and he says that he must have misplaced it. That's when Mark finds it, opens it, and sees the money in there. Full of cash. And he's like, and you think they have him, but then he comes up with a whopper that is both credible and there's not enough time to tell uh, Margot that he's completely betrayed her. But at least it's convinced Mark now that Tony's behind all this. Hubbard takes the wrong coat on purpose. He takes Mark's, or he takes Tony's coat, mm-hmm. so he has the latch key. Yeah, he says that the um, the cash was the blackmail. Like she was going to. That's right. She ba- he basically just yeah throws her fully under the bus. Right. This money. So th- the money is the thousand dollars that he was going to give to Swan, and he can't just return a thousand dollars to the bank. Because then they're going to be like, where the fuck did you get this money? Like a hand pay, right? In, right. <laughs> in gambling or whatever. Like, where did you get this money from? Um, so he's been spending it because Swan died. So he right. didn't have to give it to him. So what he says instead is, this is the money. Margot got together $1,000 to pay off this blackmail and lured him here with it. Which, once again, also doesn't really make sense if... Why would you kill him if you were planning on giving him the money? Like, it's just like things that are like, this mm-hmm. thing fits into the story. If you if you look at it too long, you will see that it is made out of, like, plaster as opposed to brick. <laughs> like, it's just like a hollow, like it's a balloon and not the thing that you think it is. <laughs> but it, like, fits into the story right now. Like, I'm just going to say it and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then if you think about it for any <laughs> I th- that's all. taken into consideration like, because the the detective or Hubbard, yeah. right? Inspector Hubbard, yeah. 
he goes away and then comes back with more questions. He's always sort of yeah prodding this like he does not trust yeah, Tony. Yeah, because he's like okay, 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 and then he walks away and then he's like that goes to that and then everything falls apart. Right. <laughs> like it, there's just not there's no there there because Tony is thinking on his feet all on the his time. feet right. So he's just like mm-hmm. use the buzzwords. It's like it's like listening to tech bros describe what they do. Right. <laughs> it's just like oh nothing. You don't do anything because he's literally not said any words in the last. Don't tell me that you increase valuation. That's right. nothing. What you said is nothing. <laughs> um, so, so then Mark, so then everybody's mad. Mark leaves angrily. Hubbard mm-hmm. takes hit the wrong jacket, and Tony is headed out. I don't remember where he was going. He was going to pick up Margot's things right? from the police. That's right. He got a call, to, or he he was told by Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Her, or her, her, uh, like belongings, right? Are at the precinct. They're ready for you to pick up. You could do it today, or you could do it the day after tomorrow. We don't expect to see you tomorrow. Probably, <laughs> that makes sense. Very sensitive. Ah, uh, yes, right. And then Tony leaves to go get her things, and then Hubbard uses Tony's key to get back into the apartment. Then he's followed by Mark, who has already spit all of his ideas into right. Hubbard as, as like a desperate, you've got to do something, that we've got to find a reasonable, like it's not, it's not reasonable doubt in, in England, I don't know what their, what their standard, standard is. is, but he's like, we've got to be able to do something, there's no way that she just straight lured this man to her apartment and murdered him in cold no, blood. Yeah. That is not a thing that happened. Um, the, the the troubling thing about it, too, is she did kill him. That yeah. is true. She did it to save her own life. Like, <laughs> line, it, but, uh, like, there is a murder in this movie. The line in, uh, in The Heat of the Night, I have a motive which is murder and a body which is dead. Like, those two yeah. things yeah. together weigh a lot more with at least with a jury, because uh-huh. she had the motive and, and she had the adultery, and then she admits to killing him. Yes. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because at no point did she ever say I didn't do no. it, because she did it, um, but was yeah, of course, justified. Um, so Hubbard already discovered that the key in Margot's handbag was Swans. He knew that it could... I don't know if he had tried to get into the house or not, but he knew that it didn't go to this house. It mm-hmm. was Swans. Whether it was fingerprints or... Right. I don't I don't know how it was processed, but they knew that Swans' hand, or key was in her handbag, which is like, well, that does What? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. And so he... Looks, he's looking around. He it's, he said it takes him a half an hour to find it, but in the hallway, uh, which means that somebody had to know that Swan would have had a key, and he yeah. would have presumed it was the key to the apartment, which is why he put it where he put it, or they put it where they put it, right? And um, so. 
he he comes back one day and looks everywhere and finds the key in the original hiding place, which is under the uh, carpet of the stairs going up. It's like face level if you turn around from the door. It's really easy to see. Um, but it was never retrieved because Tony took the latchkey out of Swan's pocket and put it in his wife's purse and presumed that that was his key. And so he didn't go looking for right, a exactly. key, right? So then we see that Margot's outside. She's got a police escort. She's looking very wan, very day before my execution. Oh, but very stunning. wan for Grace Kelly. <laughs> right, but still stunning, beautiful, neutral, very, very nice. And... I don't know what her prompt is because we can't hear them, but mm. she comes up to come into the house. She doesn't have, she's wearing a coat, but she doesn't have anything on her. Right. And she, when she can't get in the front door, she goes back to the police and they go to try and lead her around the, uh, the, the back. And they do, and they let her in the back door. And the reason that they, we do this now is because Hubbard is not 100% sure that the person who planted that key to let him in wasn't her. Right, exactly. But the <laughs> idea being, if she can't get in with the key, then she doesn't know that that key doesn't work. But it, not no. It wasn't that. It wasn't even that. It was. Do you know that that there's a hidden key right, right well, there? Well, yes, there's that too. But she, she, but she, but she didn't have her handbag right. because the person who has her handbag and a key that he thinks will open the door is her husband who, ooh, here he comes. So they're all in the house now. Everybody's in the house, and we got Raymond, we got Tony, we got uh -huh. Tony coming back with his wife's belongings just t 24 hours from beautiful widowhood and what he wanted the whole time. And he comes up, and he, pat he goes for his key and his trench coat, and this isn't my trench coat. Right. And he goes and he turns around to go back to the station and then he stops like four steps away and he's like, I've got my wife's bag. There's, I put a key in there. That, that key will open my front door. Great. And he comes up and he, op and he uses that key to, op to try and open the door and oops, it doesn't fucking open. Why isn't this my key? This is a key I took off of Swan and put in here. This must be his key. Well, if this was his key, then my key must be in its original hiding place because I never moved it. Right, okay. And so he goes back out and then he, like, he stops. He doesn't even get to the like the sidewalk and he turns around and he comes in and he pulls that key from its hiding place and he opens the door and surprise! <laughs> it's the best surprise party and his face is priceless. It's so good. And he takes a beat and then he just turns around to run away and a cop is right there. <laughs> and then being the like he has exhibited all throughout the film, he just realizes, well, I'm caught now. So he goes and makes himself a drink, asks if his uh wife or her lover would like a drink. Yes, they both would like one too. It's yes. Then Very the civilized, like, well, there's nothing that can be done about it now. So sorry I tried to kill you. Right, and we, we understand at this point. See, in America, mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, but somebody needs to file a motion to stay that execution or she's still going to be killed tomorrow. Right. And it's still a possibility that she will be killed tomorrow, y'all, because, like, 
there have been some fucked up injustices right. in our, yeah. yes. with our uh, capital system. So I it was just like, ooh, but I, there, you believe in London in 1954, this nice right. white lady is going to get to go home <laughs> and live the rest of her life. She'll probably move out of London. If I was her, I would move. Yes, I, I think. You need to leave this place and these people and go live with Mark in New York or wherever he Exactly. <laughs> yeah. With her looks and brains, uh, she will succeed she can, They can she live goes. next door to, um, what's her name from Gaslight and her new police husband. That's true. <laughs> She'll live next to Ingrid Bergman's character Just and Joseph Cotton, right? Two of the most beautiful ladies <laughs> and two men, doofy men looking at each other like, how did we pull these women? <laughs> yeah. So the whole time, the, the way that this is structured is really very interesting because mm. you're like, Fuck this dude. Fuck this dude. Somebody come in here and get this, like, make sure this dude is fucked. And you're like, like anybody at any point? Because then as, and as you're seeing people prove him, like, destroy his plans. Right. He's just making new ones, like straw from fucking gold. And you're like, at some point he's got to be caught and stopped, right? He's caught by, it's like the Martians in War of the Worlds. The one thing he did not think of, like a stupid thing that he does he out of done. convenience. Like, oh, well, I still have that key on the stair. Yeah. Oh, if this ain't it, then that's the one. Right. Yeah. And it's... Here's what you do. Pro tip, if you've done some shenanigans and your wife is, is maybe about to die, um, and you just have to wait out 24 hours, get an Airbnb, Yeah. turn off your phone, Take a spa day. Wrap yourself in some shit. Keep yourself from saying or doing any stupid bullshit. This is part of the new podcast, Amity's Tips for His Suspected Murderers. Just, he just, the hubris. Yes. If you had just... he had succeeded. uh, Well, except he had... To the extent... Because here's the thing, though. Right. She was not dead. Right, but he had succeeded to the extent. You set a whole plan in, in motion like two years ago right. to kill this woman, and she's still But he not succeeded dead. to the extent to where he <laughs> believes he has convinced everyone. And to the, to the point where... Oh, wait, so Mark is like, here's what I think you did. And I don't... Mark is... That, that little piece is interesting because I... Mark comes into this house and just says, go tell them that you did this. Right. In a way that makes me think that he doesn't actually believe that he did this. No, he doesn't. He's trying Which to get him to rescue Just Margaret. rescue. It's, if you love her. Right. Which, he, sadly, the the sad thing is he doesn't. He does not at all. So lie to the police and say that you did this. Okay, because I'm just like, um, you just came in here just chest out. Accusing this man yeah, of he, a very, murder. He at very really first, he's like, "Well, we both love her," and blah 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 blah. And then he realizes, "Oh no, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Not and at all." And certainly, if he if he did at the time that the murder happened, mm-hmm. the time since the murder has definitely quelled anything that was still, right? You know, maybe a little bit embers of anything no those are cold he seems to in the, have in the <laughs> some sort of issue when he's hearing her get murdered there's well, yeah like, that's visceral and he didn't want to do it himself yes like this feels a little too close and and then after that he goes back to being himself he's very cold because now he has to think on his feet 
Um, so what did you think of it overall? Is it, oh, is it I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I think it was not too long. Mm-hmm. I think you, it has to stay short for something like this. Um, I think the performances, like I said, really, really good. Even when you're like, fuck this dude, you're also like, but watchable though. Right. Like, I definitely, like, once again, just be a couple. Y'all really, you pa- you're like, you bounce off of each other real good. The clippings, though. Stay home. And right now, this is this is written by clipping. Frederick Knott. Yes, who's the same person who wrote um, "Wait Until Dark." So scary. Um, so he's very good at these kind of twisty, suspenseful. He writes good women too. Yeah, which I appreciate because I think that the women in the in both of those movies are strong. Like I as as. She comes across a little bit ditzy, which is not fair because she is being act, like actively gaslit. So, you know, and was in shock and did almost die. <laughs> like, right. Let's let's cut a let, let's cut a broad some slack. This is rough. Uh, but no, I think it's really really good. I'm excited to see the rest of his canon. Apparently, because <laughs> well, he only did three plays. No, 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 no. no. Oh, uh, Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he only wrote three plays, really? Um, there's only three listed here. Wow. And uh, Which is interesting, because he, he adapted those plays, but he was very successful at this kind of um, this kind of drama, about having characters come in and out, and, suspe- and basically maintaining suspense off of one set. Oh, yeah. Three plays. The... And a lot of dialogue for murder, like screen. He wrote the screenplay to this. Wait until Tark. He wrote the play, but not the screenplay. That's interesting. He must have also been like a professor. Yeah, he has a very interesting background. He he um, grew up in China. Oh, he descended from a line of wealthy Lancashire. No, no mill owners. Right. He was a son of English missionaries. So that, that, to me, that's also very interesting. But, um, but yeah, it's, I, I've liked the work so far because it's very much twist and turn, and then you stop, and then there's more twisting and turning. And in both cases, both this and Wait Until Dark, there's a lot of suspicions about fidelity and who to trust. Because in the other story, it was Sam. Am I trusting Sam? Does Sam yeah, have a girlfriend? Is, is he right? right. Yeah. He stopped writing plays, choosing to live comfortably on the income from his earlier work. That's true. You write three plays that mm-hmm. are constantly in production. Right. You don't have to write more plays. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I love that. Um, yeah, twisty, murdery, right. and 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 uh, sort of bad guys who are making it up as they go, which I actually really kind of appreciate because even when quote-unquote criminals are smart uh-huh. they are not savant like like we have put no. on these serial killers usually they're dumb as shit and they're just juggling until everything falls apart which very much is what we're seeing here um yeah you just you see especially somebody it's interesting to see a, a privileged criminal just presuming that, well, I'm just going to say the right thing and smile and 
get right. away with whatever I want to do. <laughs> it's like, and he's actually using people's prejudice about... It's easy to see why she loves Mark more than him. Because he is... Well, he's very... He seems to just... About himself. <laughs> right. I think it became probably very apparent the idea that he's basically in this relationship for himself and... Like, he's telling... It's very telling mm. that... The, no, why don't you stay home tonight? And cut my clippings. Because other than wanting him her to be there and having the key issue, uh-huh. he very much is a person who's like, no, don't go to the movies and enjoy yourself and spend time doing what you want to do. Spend some time on me. Right. <laughs> even when I'm not even going to be here to enjoy that. You're going to... Like, it's... And Grace Kelly's ooh. character, Margot, is interesting, too, because she decides to end the relationship with Mark at one point uh-huh. in the past. And she tries to pursue or soldier on with Tony. Yeah. Even though... Because she, she made vows. Right. Even though she's broke, I'm using air quotes liberally through this, mm-hmm. broken those vows, she's going to try and continue to do the thing that she said she was going to do. Right. And as Dan Savage says, if you are married to somebody for 30 years and they cheated on you once, they were pretty fucking good at monogamy. <laughs> they weren't perfect at it, but they were pretty good at it. It's, it's an interesting situation watching her deal with her own feelings. And the scene where we're treated to just this close-up of her face, or not even necessarily her face, it's just this shot of just her reacting to um, the sentence passed on her there yeah. are things you can read into that scene like she's feeling guilty she's ashamed of yeah. herself her affairs come out to light she's Everyone's, kind of like she's being judged this is what i guess this is right exactly yeah which sucks right but uh, she's very good in this film and you can see it that she is very much um she is but she's and she but she's and she's good like a breath of fresh air like she's just very believable for being so damn pretty. Well, <laughs> apotheosis. Apotheosis? Is that the word I'm thinking of? I don't know. The highest point in the development of a particular thing, and that's the Hitchcock blonde, this is her. Yes, she is the yes, the highest point in the development of something. Yeah, that, that idea that <laughs> she is... literally what dictionary.com well, that, that was a word I was looking up not too long ago for... for oh, okay. <laughs> something I was writing. I'm like, um, that's creepy if you don't have it on your screen right now. But, uh, but yeah, it's it, the idea that she is very funny and very, very cool. She's not... Yes. She is the cool girl. Right. But not like... I'm cool and better than you. Just, I'm living my life. Right, exactly. I'm easy, and breezy, that you beautiful right. over here. <laughs> She's the kind of person who'd sit around and you could have drinks with. And yeah. she would kick up her heels. She's going to have a fun and, story, but she's right. not going to look down on you. No, like, exactly. Yes. She's going to, like, tell you that your lipstick looks good. Like, she's the best. (laughs) I want to be your friend. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, so she's really good. And then, you know, both of these men, I will say, I I didn't get them mixed up. (laughs) But they're both very just bland Mm. 50s, black and white 
Caucasian men that just blend all together. But Robert Cummings, it's he had a whole career. They both look both familiar doing and comedy, as a matter not of fact, more comedy than than serious dramatic acting. Although he was good at that, and he did a couple of Hitchcock movies, um, playing the sort of part that Jimmy Stewart played for Hitchcock later, which is the everyman. And you can see that here. Yes, for sure. He's yeah, playing yeah. The, the guy who's smart, but not smart enough to... And he just is one step behind the villain. And Ray Milland, uh, as I said, he was very good in Lost Weekend. He's very... There's a couple of movies where he's just like, oh, God, yeah. He, he's doing his great work here. But he was a person who was just a constant... For in, in good and bad movies. He took every job. He was one of those English actors who just took every job he offered him. So was he the same guy in The Incredible Two-Headed Thing? Yes. Was he the same guy in Frogs? Yes. But he's the same guy who won the Academy Award. And he's the same guy who was in this other production that was really good. So Yeah. Yeah. Everybody he was, was really you remembered good. him from The Uninvited, which is yes. a film that we have to recommend for people too. That was a it's a ghost story. The the one from the fifties, y'all. The Uninvited is forty five different right. movies. It's there's so many versions, and it's not even like the same movie over and over no, again, no. like A Star Is Born. It's just The Uninvited is a t- title that you go with for like a home invasion. Uh, or a, a comedy where your friend stays too long, or a ghost <laughs> thing, or an alien thing, or a thing about immigrants. Or th- I mean, the, the Uninvited is one of those titles that is just like... But, no. no. Could be anything. <laughs> it could literally be anything. Uh, so, next week, we are going to watch... Don't Sleep. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Don't go to sleep. From 1956. <laughs> I knew it was 1950-something. From 1956. It's not the one with Donald Sutherland in it. And I believe it is in black and white. Is that correct? It is in black it and is white. It is in black and white. Okay, it so that's the one that we're looking for. in the fictional town of Santa Mira. Santa Mira! Which, as we pointed out, was first mentioned in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, winds up in... Being the town in E.T., Halloween 3. I was going to say, isn't it Arrow that fourth season of The Witch takes place? Right. <laughs> it's mentioned in The Dark Tower. Yes. Um, so it is a it is a horror verse. It's also the setting for the Sharknado movies. Yeah. It's very much, it's like this little tiny California town that winds up being... Almost Isn't like, always, but it's not always like Bodega Bay or whatever that's used. No, because they use um, Southern California places. I was thinking of something else. Yeah, okay. So, but, so it's not always the same, like filmed the same place, right? right. It's just various places along the coast of yes. this continent, because I bet a lot of it actually happens up in Vancouver. <laughs> it's, it's realized, though, it's put into both the no- novel Phantoms by Dean Koontz uh-huh. and the, the Dark Tower by Stephen King. Yeah. This movie had a huge influence on them. And once you see it, you'll understand why. It's just creepy. As, it, yeah, it's very creepy and weird and disturbing. Interesting. And you can understand why every generation wants to remake it because the central message of this film right. is relevant or will be relevant till whenever. It's like 1984. It's a people. It's about people. Right. So it's a it's a universal truth movie, so you can do it over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's what we're going to watch next week. 
In the meantime, do you have anything that you would like to recommend? Yes. Um, I saw, a, a t- I started watching a television, uh, or not a television program. I don't even know what to call them nowadays. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't. Okay. A uh, mini series for Netflix. Okay. Called Chambers. As far as I'm concerned, if it's a series format that are less than two hours per, it's a television show. <laughs> okay. So I saw this television show called Chambers. And um, I think that's why Netflix show is a phrase that people say. Okay, Netflix yeah. show. It uh, I uh, called Chambers. Pretty close in near the end. It takes place in I believe it's New Mexico or Arizona. It looks like a kind of place where I visited <laughs> and might have gotten some sort of horrible, horrible, debilitating illness from it. Um, this is originally was in. Uh, night, night, 2019 is what I'm Right. And it's about a young uh, Dina, Dina woman and her family. Uh, she's a college student. She has like a, a heart attack. That's putting it simply. That's so young. And she winds up nearly dying, but she gets a heart transplant from another woman from an affluent family. Okay. Who lives nearby, and then the and and the uh, it's Tony Goldwyn and Uma Thurman are the parents. I was going to say, is that Uma Thurman? Yeah, right. And who's amazing here? It's like, oh my god, why are you doing these silly, goofy movies where you're doing bad martial arts for Quentin Tarantino when you could? And it's not that. And Tony Goldwyn is always nefarious. Right. He is like just so much hair gel and nefarious. Well, that, that's I I just recently was flipping channels and I saw part of Ghost and considering the kind of thing I write I'm like, you know, I should really watch this movie at some point. Well, it's I don't think it's your vibe, but it's a ghost story, right? It's, it it is. So I mean, I'm like, sure. Let me, let me it's see. it's a romance. Let me see what it's like and it turns out yes, it was very silly and kind of fun at times, not spooky at all. No, but it is um, in no way spooky. It's um, not trying to be that. Well, there's like one or two moments that are very kind of. Oh, They're just trying to remind you that this is about a ghost, right? We're gonna forget a lot of that when we turn Whoopi Goldberg right into Patrick Swayze, so you will right. forget that I this is about a ghost. The spookiest thing that happens is the moments when somebody who to use my religious language, who dies in their sins, is taken to the afterlife by whatever the hell those things are that come out of the shadows. It's like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) All right, it's over. I think that, but the reason I brought it up is that Tony Goldwyn is the villain in that film. Is he? He's a villain in every film. very, look, look, even when you don't think he's so young. and, and, And then you look at him now in this thing, and he's like, oh, he's the same guy, just being villainous again. And it's, yeah, it's a career thing yep. uh, for him. Um, but anyhow, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Even when he plays the president. <laughs> right. I'm enjoying it. It has all sorts of elements of suspense. Um, it's, so, is it a supernatural? Yes, because she okay. starts having flashbacks okay. to the young woman whose heart is in her body. Oh, interesting. Okay. And uh, she's Dine, so, or Navajo is the other word to say. This is right. the same thing I forgot when I was doing right. Dark Skies. It's like, wait, 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 there's another word that they use. But, um... But and indigenous. So, and so she may have 
There's their own cultural beliefs about that. Right, right. But at the same time, she's also, uh, there's the element of not trusting these very wealthy, frankly, white family. Yeah, for sure. Who... One of whom is Tony Coltman. Right, who's moved out to this location so that they can take care of the, uh, harness the vortex energy. This is very much like what it was like. Because I used to, you know, I visited Sedona and there was... You could not get away from this vortex. Everyone was talking about it. There's a vortex. Don't you? The vortex? By the way, would you like a side of vortex with your, your meal while you went Along to a restaurant? With the, what's the little piggies? Uh, the javelinas. Javelinas and vortexes. Yes. Vortices. And I just wanted to see like a vortice of javelina flying around. That would have really made my day. And that actually Javelinado. is a scene out of Javelinado? Javelinado. <laughs> that was the... the, the we... My friend and I just made each other sick making up stories. You know, a Havelina concertina, I have Alina no idea. I have we just played all oh, of those yeah. until we're like, Thank okay, you, stop, uh... we're done. <laughs> we just there's nothing else we can do about that. Just leave it alone. Anyhow, so I recommend that. I'm not quite done with it yet, but it Chamber seems to be going in a different direction. And hopefully it has an ending. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because apparently it does not come back. Just the one season. Well, no, because it's a Netflix show, so so Good do you have something to recommend? Season. I don't, because we oh. recorded yesterday. Uh, <laughs> and I have done uh, nothing today but work and go to Costco. Ooh. Recommend Costco. I recommend here's what I recommend. Okay. If you go to Costco, if you are a Costco shopper, maybe this is true of uh, other stores as well, but uh stores that are a chore to go to, where you're just like, you've got to Brace yourself before you go. Mm-hmm. Um, the last day of the month, especially if it falls on a weekday, okay. is a good day to go to that store. All right. Uh, they are stocking up because tomorrow there will be a lot of shoppers because it is the first. So people have fixed incomes and a lot of pay pay uh, paywall also hits on the first. Um, so tomorrow... There will be a ton of people in Costco buying all of the things that I didn't buy today. <laughs> but today, they're prepping for it. And it's the last of the day of the month. So a lot of people don't have grocery money on the last day of the month because our systems are fucking broken. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and then it was Tuesday afternoon. You know, we went at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But we left here a little before, or a little before 3 and we pulled into the driveway at 4. Like, we went to Costco and came back and bought everything in less right. than an hour, which has never happened before. Because <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's a 15 to 20 minute drive. And with the driver that we were in, it was like a 10 minute drive. I really don't like it. Made me so scared. Okay. <laughs> it's a very stressful afternoon, everybody. <laughs> If I feared drive, for my life, and then I had to fight through to- Costco, and then I had to fear for my life again. <laughs> if you summer. drive from Earth to Mars at regular speed, it will take you, I forgot what Alex's tabulation was, something like 17 days or something. Right. If you drive day and night, because if my mom is driving, you can get there in 14 and a half days. <laughs> like, what the hell? Her job, motto man. is as fast as possible. Right. All the time, and I, it really stresses me. I put myself in the back seat, and I was buried in my phone, and it was still me just phantom pushing on brakes. It was, it was not good. So, uh, 
yeah, I recommend Costco on the last day of the month. I don't recommend driving while angry. Okay. (laughs) One last thing. One last thing. I just discovered that the pitcher plant, there's a species of pitcher plant, a carnivorous plant, eats Uh insects, whose scientific name is Nepenthes santamira, (laughs) which, as we will see in the film, is really funny and very appropriate. Very funny. Okay. So, Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. Right. Visit Santamira with us. Yes. Uh... If you have questions or comments or concerns, you can find us up. You can find us by emailing us yes. at latecomerspod at uh-huh. gmail.com. You can find us by tweeting at us at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook by searching for Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. I would like to remind you to please, please take your medicines. We would like to remind you better, better late, late than, than never. never.